What's wrong? I just took... like Barry to stop. I took an intake of breath and you jumped. Well, I was expecting something. I was about to deliver my line. All right. Hello, you are listening to The Cinema We See. I'm Gabby and I'm joined by Chris. Hello there. And uh, what have we got today? We have... Corfball. Corfball. We're not explaining the rules of it. I'll take half the podcast. They've been playing (laughs) sports, so some water has been brought to the table for Chris. And you spilt it down and... But never mind. Never mind. It's okay. Um, right. Where was the movie. That? I'm totally off the ball. Let's I? just say it's Pan's Labyrinth. So we'll start yes. there. And it was your choice. And it's on movie. And I believe there's about a week left on it. I might be more than that for you. Um, yeah, or something like that. And um, could you give us an introduction, Chris? Okay, so the film was directed by Guillermo del Toro and released in 2006. So, the film transports us to Spain during the rule of Franco, which provides a backdrop for a magical encounter between our protagonist... I'm giving an introduction here. So, which provides a magical encounter between our protagonist, a girl called Ophelia, and a satyr... (laughs) ...that dwells in the labyrinth. So, as you can expect from the title, it is about a... A creature called Pan that lives in the labyrinth, and he sets a series of magical tasks for this girl called Ophelia. Mm. So, I've so I was eleven when this film came out, and since then I've met a lot of people who have said to me, "Oh, have you seen Pan's Labyrinth?" And you know, it's one of their favourite films, or they really enjoyed it. And I always assumed it was a kids' film, probably because the people I was talking to around that age were kids, you know, like 13, yeah. 14. Uh, it is not a kids' film. <laughs> not in the slightest. Uh, you know. It has that Harry Potter feel about it, where oh. you have the special child yes. who, who's going to have a great destiny. I'm also, so glad. that's where the similarities end. Yeah. I'm very glad you mentioned that, because I was constantly thinking of the two the first two Harry Potter films so Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone depending on where you are in the world and Chambers of Secrets which I believe are both directed by Chris Columbus and you know I I really like those films because when they came out I was sort of six seven eight nine and I was really into the whole sort of fantasy genre back then not so much now but back then certainly and this did remind me I mean the whole thing with the tasks um, that Ophelia has to do reminded me a lot of the kind of things that uh, Harry Potter has to do in each sort of stage you know in the book series and that kind of thing Um, and the adults that are so intimidating like uh the captain in this film um, who's also like a father figure to Ophelia and like the teachers in the school Hogwarts Snape, in Harry Potter yeah, yeah. So well there... not, he's a bit worse than Snape I think yeah um, but <laughs> there, were, there were just so many things that were popping up to me like you know like reminders of other films uh, and books and that kind of thing um, like um, the fawn character Pan he reminded me a lot of um, is his name Mr. Mr. Tumnus in Narnia. Have you have you seen? Yeah, him? he's a Narnia-like character. Yeah, I mean, I think he's like a. I don't know what he is. I'll have to look that up. 
but there's a lot of things that we've seen before but it is in this setting that's very interesting right you were saying it was um franco ruled spain 1944 and i think it was from it was um yeah 1939 or 1940 yeah. those two years until the 1970s so that was franco's rule yeah oh interesting because you're the history buff out of us two which don't say well but um yeah well it was until the 1970s i'm not sure what, what year 1970s yeah. i think it was late to the 1970s mm. which is um, quite surprising yeah but at this time it's you know almost the end of the second world war yeah that's right and what's so interesting is you know you have uh people who are against franco these soldiers who are hiding out in the woods that's just around yeah. the house that uh, Ophelia is staying in with her mother who is pregnant with her half-brother, the child of the captain, who's desperate for a boy so he could have his name and be a soldier himself and that kind of thing. And so that's all interesting. Now, what I found a bit difficult was the blending of those two plots so you have the reality that's going on which is all you know what a nasty bloke this captain is and you know you also have the the uprisers you know mercedes she's a housekeeper i found her one of the most interesting characters actually she her brother is one of the soldiers hiding out in the woods and she's sort of like an informant along with the doctor who's you know under the captain's rule who's at the house and they're trying to find a way to kind of get the upper hand over the soldiers in that sort of base area. Well, yeah, get the upper hand over Frank, the Francoist yeah. of soldiers yeah. and give the advantage to the rebels in the forest surrounding it, yeah. waiting to descend upon them. And I found all that interesting, and I found the stuff that was going on with Ophelia quite interesting, you know, like when she first met Pan and when she learns of you know she might be a princess but i found it a bit too jarring going from each sort of story for example i'd be really focused on whatever the hell the captain was up to which was usually very very bad things uh very very gory things and then we suddenly cut to ophelia and you know she's going through the book that pan gave her and i'm like Oh yeah, back to this. What was happening here again? What was she meant to do here? What? And I was completely sort of out of place the whole time. Now, I will say that I think a lot of people believe what I've just criticised to be one of the biggest benefits of the film. Because it's showing reality, her reality, is extremely harsh. And it's showing how the fairy tales that she believes in and the things she believes she sees and that kind of thing is her escape and it's something that can save her ultimately in the end. But although I could see all that, I wasn't totally taken with it, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting that you talk, you've made some comments about the contrasts between the two worlds, if you will, the mm. world of Franquist Spain and the fantasy world of Ophelia. And you, it sounds 
to me like you think they didn't mesh yeah. that well and perhaps perhaps I agree with you to an extent I think for foreign viewers perhaps Spanish viewers who watch it they might think differently they might think that it does sort yeah. of blend well because we were mentioning Harry Potter some people might say well um, early 90s England doesn't mesh well with that's um, a good point you make that's a good point you make with medieval fantasy world mm. where you you know so you've got a world with cars um, you know trying to think of a car from that time minis about and then you've got castles and steam frames and yeah. it doesn't quite mesh but then you sort of get into it so yeah I mean what I will say with those first two early Harry Potter films is that there's this really really good build of it seems to be one plot. So how I picture Pan's Labyrinth, now we we know Gabby loves her metaphors, so let's start another one. How I see this film is that there's two trains that are going on a parallel track, right? And they're they're almost got like transparent carriages and things like that. So you can see what's going on on either side. And you're almost in the middle and you can turn your head left and right depending on you know what's too much on this side and what's you know, but with the early Potter films you're you're kind of on one train yeah because you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into the story and you're discovering things as your protagonist is discovering them whilst in this film you're never just from Ophelia's perspective. Sometimes you're from the captain's perspective, sometimes you're from Mercedes' perspective. And because of that, I think that's why I kept being a bit... I felt like I was being disrupted. Every time I was just getting into Ophelia's head, I was. I had to leave her for a yeah, little bit. I, I, yeah. I think I know how you feel. It would have been good to see more of the fantasy world because that was the enjoyable part of the film. The parts with the captain. I don't know. I think the captain, in the end, came off as somewhat one-dimensional. Yes, character. he was to me as well. And perhaps there were men like that at that time in Spain, but he seemed he seemed to want to make him into a ruthlessly brutal man to make a point that he had no capacity for patience mm. or logic in, in, he was just pure brutality mm. and like I said maybe people like that did exist but then it feels as though the movie pushed too hard to make a point that this is what these people were like I mean I suppose getting to the politics of it now which I'm going to wheel back from but I think it would have been better they would have done a better service if they if the director had made the captain slightly more real slightly yeah. more complicated character the or should i say slightly more complex character well here's some a good question for you gabby which i think <laughs> might, I'm ready. might um open up your thinking a little bit did you think that ophelia's magical world yeah. was real in the context of the film or was it in her imagination? Ooh. 
well, I mean, we're trying to be a little less spoilery, I believe, in our, you know, episodes. But I will say, towards the end of the film, there's a moment where you see Ophelia talking to one of the mystical creatures, and then you suddenly cut to another character's perspective, and it appears as if she's talking to nothing, like thin air. And that's where I thought, ooh, is this almost confirming that it's all in her head? And and then I'll say that it also, if it is trying to allude to that, it also sort of stops you in your tracks with that thinking because there is a moment where she has to get into a locked, a locked room. I was going to say. Yeah. Actually. She needs to get into a locked room to retrieve something. And after she's been in that room, we later see her with that thing she was meant to get. Uh, so to me that kind of says well she had that magical key well it's actually a magical piece of chalk that she draws a door we don't see a drawer in the door though no do we don't we? see a drawer in the she's door just, she, how she got in was by making her own door she could have been say climbing through a window mm. we don't actually see her using it so no I mean I'm not I know you're saying you're making it less spoilery but has this been feedback it's not <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, partly. Um, if you, I'm if sorry to all our fans who <laughs> spoil films for. No, it's not that. I think. Um, I think, you know. Um, how do I put this? I get a bit irate when I'm listening to something and suddenly they, they, you know, they release the dragon, if you will, and I kind of go, oh man. Because I was, I was like really, really into it until they like gave away a little thing. Oh. But listeners, if you want to give us feedback, please, you know, go on Twitter at the cinema we see. We'd really love to know your thoughts. Um, but you, anyway, where I think, was I? Think I? You're gonna regret saying God that. damn it! No, where was I? My train of thought. Um, oh right. So I'm not opposed to films that hint or explicitly say it's all in the person's head, because. What is interesting about a film? Being in a person's head, you know, seeing the world through their eyes. So I'm never, I I mean, I understand when people get a bit annoyed and think it's a cop-out. For example, the whole, it was only but a dream is very (laughs) annoying because it's like your stakes are out the window, you know? So rewatchability-wise, second time you watch it, stakes are diminished completely. But, you know... I honestly, so did you see The Shape of Water, which uh, Del Toro won the Oscar for a few years back? No. Well, that's another film that didn't quite click for me because I thought there was too much going on. Now, before I saw The Shape of Water, um, I was really intrigued by everyone going, it's a heist film and a musical and a creature feature and a romance. And I was like, ooh. Sounds exciting, you know, it's like a, a box of celebrations like we've got in front of us. We've got a Snickers, we've got a Galaxy. And it's exciting, you know, variety and that kind of thing. But I was watching The Shape of Water and everything was throwing me off, you know. I mean, maybe it's just the person I am. I like to get on my track, on my road, and I like to, you know, enjoy that piece of road. And I don't like um, to be thrown off course. Yeah, it's interesting in the context of us reviewing this because I find it a bit tricky to review this one, although 
I don't feel as though I should have trouble doing it. <laughs> I think that's why it took such a deep breath before we started the recording. Yeah, it's because, as Gabby has alluded to, well, Gabby said, it has two diff- has two stories, really, and it doesn't really go far enough into one story to be able to say yeah. enough about the film because there's the angle of the captain, who's a Francoist, part of the Francoist regime who's um, on a mission to crush rebels in the wilderness and then there's Ophelia's magical world and it doesn't go enough into the history of Francoist Spain and doesn't go enough into Ophelia's magical world and so we can't really get into the depth of it because I would have liked to talk about the history of it but the thing is the film doesn't really touch enough history to justify yeah. go, going into it I suppose what I could say is, is that it does portray the Francoist regime as being evil and the rebels as being good and that's sort of what we would expect but the thing about the rebels is, is that they would have come from a faction in the civil war known as the republicans or other separatist groups in Spain and they weren't saints themselves they did kill innocent people in the tens of thousands so like i said before that story arc of the captain is very one-dimensional good versus evil good wins even though good is just a band of rebels it's almost sort of like a poor man's star wars but the other thing and and, yeah sorry to interrupt and then with ophelia Bit of Field of Magic World is actually the better storyline. Yeah, I but think so too. I I would have liked. I would have liked to have followed that a lot more because. I th- I felt like this film ended the way, I expected it to. <laughs> um, it almost had me where I thought, "Ooh, they're doing something different here," and then. You know the music swelled and some colour came across the screen and I went and they're doing what I thought yep they're doing what I thought they were doing and um, you know it was a it is a little bit more of a surprising ending to Shape of Water but with you know Shape of Water and with this film I thought the character arcs because I could see the mile off I could see the mile off how it's, it's a very fine line when you're writing something that you don't want to be trying to, I don't know, what's the word? Trying to be so clever in terms of audience expectation that you're writing something that don't make sense. <laughs> but you don't want to take the easy way out and make something that will satisfy audience expectations because it fulfills them but also it doesn't leave them with anything lasting because it's just, you know, you knew it'd be a happy ending. You knew it was going to be a sad ending. You knew, you know, they'd blow up the world at the end. It, you, you just got to try a little bit harder, I feel, sometimes with trying to find that balance of not being completely out of the blue but not falling into step of what is easy 
So, I feel like, now, it's, it's different for every individual, but I feel like some of the best films I've seen in recent years, years like La La Land from 2016, and Nashville, my favourite film I watched from last year, even though it was originally came out in 1975, those films had endings that I did not see coming, you know? But they work and they're correct for me because when I rewatch those films, you can see the seeds being planted from the very beginning and then... We, I, uh, suppose, yeah. I suppose, Gary, you are a seasoned cinema viewer and so it is more difficult to surprise you with um, complicated plots because you're constantly thinking, what's the plot to this? And then you're trying to find one like a particular plot strategy and then fit it onto the film and so it's hard to surprise you basically well I um, am a but bit for me <laughs> um, because I'm sort of relatively new to cinema I know I know I shouldn't be but I sometimes am still surprised by these plots because I'm used to watching more mainstream cinema from my childhood where good beats evil yeah happy happy ending guys and then so when I see a film with a more complex ending I think ooh hmm. yeah wasn't quite I wasn't ex- expecting it in an emotional level if that makes sense well no that's good film is meant to you know you're meant to emote it's meant to make you emote and you know it's, it's one big manipulation you know what I mean um and that's not a bad thing because we go into it wanting to be manipulated to a certain degree, certain degree. But um, I think I, I can be too cynical. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you're here, Chris, to bring me back to earth. Uh, and I can be a bit too harsh, but it's only because uh, one of the biggest journeys in my life is trying to find the next film that I'll think, oh my god that is a masterpiece and it's just amazing I mean Martin Scorsese said right film is like a drug right like heroin how do you cure your need for heroin more heroin how do you cure your need for film more film and that is me that is, it is my drug I don't suggest you take heroin when you can't find a decent <laughs> film to watch <laughs> film, film is my drug and, and it, it is just how I this feel. is your brain in cinema. Uh, yeah, I mean basically, but <laughs> but no, I mean so uh, we are going on our little journey, and yeah, we I mean, are. We, have, we found him in his bedroom. He sold all his furniture to buy DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I mean, I will say that I I have, I mean, my lovely husband oh, is cinema. He, he did, back he in the a, room. He had a forty-eight-hour cinema binge and didn't eat or sleep or drink well, anything and I will say this is why I like streaming services because I don't need to fill up my home with discs I mean I do have a few discs I was going to say we're struggling with space anyway oh quiet discs. it's not that bad <laughs> they're not all here <laughs> oh gosh I mean when you stay <laughs> you can always over... fill it with um, <laughs> film paraphernalia which is it's halfway there to be honest yeah. you've seen what's in our room haven't you yeah, it's a lovely poster, but it ain't all big. It is. Hey, hey, we chose that poster together. We did, yeah, but I didn't realize <laughs> how big it was. Together. No, I didn't. I don't know dimensions no. when they say it's like six by what. Well, I it's know. what was Fine. it? She's um, playing. She gun, doesn't know gun, how big things are. Now. Well, it was gun crazy. <laughs> no comment. Um, it was gun crazy. 
Keep it clean, people. We looked at it online. I wasn't even thinking that. And uh, we looked at it online. But we looked at it online and we were thinking, oh, this looks really nice because our uh, our friend Dan's got a film poster of uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. Which was like, you know, yeah, kind of bog standard film poster size. But probably double that, and that's the size of what we got in the room. But it's beautiful. Yeah. It's gone crazy, listeners. It's. Uh, but in the end, I think the frame and the actual hanging up itself costs three times the amount of the actual poster. Itself. Yeah, well, I tell you what, if yeah. times get tough, maybe we could let her go. I think the fish tank will go first, right? The fish tank will go first? You were, are you kidding? No. Yeah, but. They're living things, man. But it's not in our room, though. I quite like the poster. No, I adore the poster. How about I intervene now and say, should we give our final thoughts on this movie, give it a quick review? Um, I would like to do that, but I'd very, very quickly... Mark, how do you feel about Pan's Offers? Uh, I must admit, it's been a while since I watched it. And you were a little drunk. I was also a little drunk. I also haven't... Well, I'd come back... (laughs) Don't get me wrong. What is wrong with you? Drinking? I, I don't know if... Why do you get drunk before? Well, I suppose you get drunk No, I didn't intentionally get drunk. No, so, <laughs> right, to, cl- to clear things up, Gandhi I worked in a pub here. until the age of probably 19, and then when I came back from the pub, it was on. So I was slightly tipsy, and I put it on, and I was actually watching it, and then I didn't realise what the time was. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I didn't um, realise. Do you watch it properly? <laughs> what it was. I, I watched, <laughs> I, I didn't see the first 20 minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> and then I saw it. I saw it through to the end. Gabby's um, face. I can understand just from knowing you why it wasn't your particular cup of tea, because it, there is a lot of kind of storylines that go on and does go on for too long. But what I thought was quite interesting was the fact that it's almost the girls' attempt at trying to escape from the horrors of the real world. Yeah. However, in the trying to att- escape from the horrors of the real world that kind of imaginary world of the 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 fawns and the goblins and all that sort of stuff is not as she first seemed so it's kind of like there, there is no escape from the sort of I, I, but on. I almost That's if, I, if I was to rewrite this film which is very naughty you should never critique a film that you wish you should never critique the film you wish you thought I messed that up <laughs> we, can, we, we can wait okay <laughs> <laughs> Gang, stop it. Right. So if I was, I would just kind of make hints to what was going on in the world out of her story. Mm-hmm. So for example, I don't know, a dead body in the street. <laughs> what? But No, that was terrible. I do see I do see your point of view. Look at Alice in Wonder in Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah. You follow her. And you follow her, and you follow her, and you follow her. There's no distractions. And the deeper you get, the more mm. effective I think it is, personally. Because I think it's a good film. I think it's very well made. I think the cast is great. I mean, the things they did with uh, practical effects, right? Doug Jones, I believe that's his name. He was also the the merman in uh, Shane. Zoom I was quoting Zoolander. I'm a um, but Zoom no, so there's a lot I admire about Pan's Labyrinth, but personally, I can't see myself watching it again. And I now know it's a, not a kids' film, so I won't show our kids at the age of like twelve. Yeah. But I, I, I get why people like it. It wasn't for me, but I get why people people. I like actually it. think, in a weird way, it loses out by being a film. 
because I feel like it's yes. one of those things that if it was on the cutting room floor to be a film, a lot of what was good was taken out. So I actually think if it was made into a TV series, yeah, he's right. right. I think it I would be much better. Agree. I definitely agree because you could spend a longer period of time exploring Pan's magical world mm. and longer period of time exploring the, the actual other world. the yes. actual world and that arc. Then yeah. you could feel it more. There could be more depth to mm. it. And you could bring them both to completion. Mm. Whereas with the movie, there's just not enough time to fully explore both. Mm. Movies, I agree both with storylines. Yeah, and you know what else might be cute is if you have an entire episode that's just devoted to the fairy tale thing, but it's yeah. almost playing out in mm. real time in terms of things are still going on in her reality. It doesn't just stop. So that when you come back, so like an episode later, things have changed in her reality. So we're trying to work out what's changed. She's trying to cope with what's changed. And that just keep. Plus there'd be audience more sort of investment in that and interaction kind of thing. I mean... Um, we're watching Mad Men at the moment and I love how every all the characters keep moving even though you haven't seen them for a couple of episodes. Like There's new developments in their lives that you find out once you see them again. And that makes it more of a tactile kind of space. You know, I'm watching a series in the BBC called His Dark Materials, mm-hmm. which was also a film. So I'm going to watch the film I'm going to watch the series and I'm going to compare the mm. two to see yeah. how the film like I said how the film is compared to it as a series I'm going to see or think mm. about which experience I enjoyed mm. more so yeah well I was one of the best TV series I watched last year was Sharp Objects and that was based on a book and the reason why they made it into television series is like we could never ever do justice to all the characters if it was a film because if it was a film it's like what do you prioritize plot because you've got to have your three acts in a Mm. film right to satisfy the structures of what the medium is and it's like it wouldn't work you've got to give things space to breathe the other great thing about sharp objects is the town gets so much i don't know just breathes you know what i mean Mm. and I mean, I think it's a very interesting thing now that um, TV seems to really be surpassing film in terms of quality. I mean, at the very least, accessibility to great television over accessibility to great films. I mean, blockbusters, it's usually things get greenlit if it's a franchise, da, 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 because it makes money. I mean, I was talking to... Um, Superhero films. Yes, I was talking to my father-in-law, right, last weekend, and I was saying, it's just occurred to me, like, you jo- Joker, which we recently spoke about on the show, it doesn't have to be a superhero movie. You could cut out all the Batman lore, and it still works as a character piece about this man who's losing his brain. And... Well, it wasn't a superhero film. Because well, yeah. there wasn't any su- superpowers. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's Batman. It was a comic book film, but not very much a superhero film. Yeah. But it didn't even have to be a comic book film. It got, but I think because they put in that lore, the, the screenwriter put in all that Batman lore and the comic book stuff, it got greenlit because that is what's so popular at the moment. But the actual story itself is piggybacking off that to get well, to this wide audience. I think it works very well. No, I do think it's very well. I think it's very clever too. I think it's very clever. But well, we're not reviewing the Joker here. It all yeah. comes back to Joker. 
this year on um, it, it, the show. It will, it will yeah. be. But um, so you can't properly review it until you've given it a number. Given it a number. Give it oh, a for number. God's sake! Why does everything have to be measured by? Three point seven out of five. Three point seven out of five. Oh, yeah. Be specific. We're going. We're going down to. Right. Three point um, seven out of five. Going down to tenth. Mm. <laughs> Three point one. There we go. Why three point one and not three? Well. Okay, because so you gave it well, a point. You, you gave it a decimal point. Well, so you think it's above average? Ah, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. I think it's above average. It's not great. It's, it's good, but not It's great. very well made, and I do really admire it. So for me, that isn't about above average rating. It's just, it didn't ring my bell. <laughs> ring my bell. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, I, yeah. I enjoyed watching it, um, but it left me somewhat unsatisfied. Mm. But yeah, I enjoyed it. But... That, that's about it. I mean, I enjoy eating crackers. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that little <laughs> piece of trivia. Um, it'd be funny if, like, we've just been talking for over half hour now. What people remember after this episode is Chris likes crackers. <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty good. laughs> All right. So I'm picking the next one. I think I know what it will be. Um, it'll come to you in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll say goodbye now. Bye. Bye. Hey, door. Oh, I don't know what song to sing. What song can we sing? I'm going to have to do Thingy's Bed soon as well. What song can we sing? Thingy's Bed, who's bed? Who's staying over?